The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor is In. You have always been a voice of reason through all of this. Appreciate your time, what you're doing for America. I give you advice. And doesn't work at all. You are definitely not inept by any means. I like to hear women say that about me. Whatever advice you're going to send my way, I am 100% taking it. I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what to do. Okay. Well, thanks. That wasn't the answer I wanted. Are you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Ray. Glad I called. I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio show. <laughs> you don't have to laugh so hard. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. Well, some people ask me, how old are you really? And I'll say, well, let me put you this way. My last birthday, my cake had 50 candles on it. And that was the piece I had. Nice to have you with me. Dr. Ray Grandy. program here is The Doctor Is In. You want to be on the program? It's very simple. I, on the other hand, had to scratch and claw, scrape and grovel my way onto a broadcast spot in Catholic media. You, you know, you know what I feel like here? I feel like the parent who had to walk 18 miles uphill both ways to school in a foot of nuclear waste while you guys just have it easy. Because all you have to do to get on the program is dial a number. 877-573-7825. Now, that's not an easy number to remember. It bounces around a little too much. There's no rhythm to that number. Try this. 877-57-EQUAL. That's a lot easier to remember. It's three bits. Three memory bits. I loved uh, that kind of uh, psychology. I forget what the name of it was, but we understood. Me- we were trying to learn about memory. Yeah, isn't that nice? I forget the name of it, but we learned about memory. So, if you would like to get onto the program, 877-57-EQUAL. Questions about life, situations, circumstances, people, places, things, rock, paper, scissors. Uh, you may be able to help somebody else. I hate Now, see, I should not have done that. Do you hear it? Uh, that's terrible. That is basically a crutch word, as my producer called it. He said, when you say, um, or, uh, or, you know, or, I mean, uh, those, those are all gaps to fill in pauses where people are uncomfortable. I did it. I do it. It's terrible. Uh, um, so let's try this again. You can call in with a question about something in your life. You can help someone else out. If a caller touches something in your existence and you can say, I had that situation and here's what I did or here's how I looked at it. Oftentimes it's better to get a good way to look at it as opposed to trying to change it. What else? Opened up the phone lines to a a new avenue, which is if you have something that you can help someone with. Meaning, you've got an insight about parenthood, about marriage, about life in general, about faith, about walking closer to Christ. 
you can indeed call in and say, Dr. A, I think you're falling short. Let me offer the folks this. Who knows? Somebody could say, that woman's brilliant. Maybe we could give her her own show. You know, we've got that uh, 1 o'clock Eastern time spot, Monday through Friday, kind of open, if you know what I mean. 877-57-EQUAL. My son is an engineer. My son, Andrew, is an engineer. Saw it when he was a little kid. He's three, four years old. He's doing math problems. So I was talking to him the other day. I said, Andrew, what are you doing? What are you working on? He said, now, Dad, I'm working on aquathermal treatment of ceramics, aluminum, and steel under a constrained environment. I thought, wow, that's pretty impressive. I, I didn't really exactly know what he was talking about. And then his wife got on the phone and said he was washing dishes with hot water under her supervision. You just got to know how to talk. That's all. This is going to sound like a foolish question to you. Because I would think everybody listening to this would say yes. But not everybody listening to this would say I am. Not in the godly sense, of course. Do you want to be content? Oh, come on, Ray. What do you mean, do I want to be content? Of course I want to be content. Who doesn't want to be content? Well... Like the old country song says, you can feel bad if it makes you feel better. You know, some people do like being miserable, but by and large, the vast majority of people want to be content. So, now what? If you want to be content, this is going to sound really dumb coming from a supposed psychologist. Be content. Make a decision to be content. Oh, come on, Dr. Ray. Life throws stuff at you. It makes you feel bad. People are disagreeable with you. You feel frustrated as a parent because your adult kids are leaving the faith. How can I be content about that? You can't be content about that. Well, you could be content about that, but you're unlikely to be content about that. But you can be content about life. If you've listened... To priests or to people talking the faith, they will tell you forgiveness is an act of the will. You choose to forgive. It's not a feeling. It's a decision. Contentment is a decision. You have to want to feel good. You look at beautiful fall colors and you just thank our Lord for giving you the sight to see the colors. You're walking outside, you say, I can walk. You get in bed at night, you got a blanket over you, you say, wow, I'm in, a, I'm in a bed with a blanket and I'm warm. You could just be content about so much in life, but you have to decide to be. I remember thinking about that. I like being content. I like being happy. St. Paul says, I have learned to be content in whatever situation I'm in. How do you do that? How do you learn to be content? Obviously, he can't change the situation 
if he's in prison? How do you change that? How do you be content with that? Well, I'm sure he wasn't content about being in prison, but he was content about being. Do you realize what you know? As you look around you and you see what's happening in our culture, let's just let's just leave it in our culture. Let's not say in the world. Let's just say around here. Our culture by and large is rapidly leaving the Christian influence. Whatever that was in our culture, what seems to be clear is it's a lot less. And furthermore, culture is a lot more hostile towards people of faith. That's a given, and it's probably going to get worse. So do you realize that you know what perhaps the majority in our culture don't know? What you've been given to believe? You believe. That means no matter what happens here, you can be content because of what you've been given, which is faith, which is belief that could lead you to eternal life. Unbelievable gift. Without comprehension. I like being content. I do. Now, one might say, but but what about great tragedy, Dr. Ray? A loss of a life of a loved one or an illness that is threatening your own life or some serious life crises, how can you be content? Well, it certainly can rock you. But in a sense, I've not noticed as a shrink a whole lot of relationship between the contentment of people who have had serious life struggles And those who are malcontents and by most objective measures are just malcontent about the stuff of everyday life. There was a woman in my life. Her name was Edith. Italian lady. Edith lived to be, I think, about 90. But in the course of her life, Her first husband died young, very young. She remarried. Her second husband died. She remarried. Her third husband died. Her son, 20-year-old Cassie, Casimir, died at age 20 of a brain tumor. Edith was one of the more content people I knew. She looked at life grateful. Three husbands and a son in her life. She she led the last years of her life, many, many of her, I don't know, 15, 20 of them as a widow. Did she have reason not to be content? (laughs) From an objective view, she sure did. So how was it? How could she do that? Something about her desire to be content, her desire to love life, 
and the fact that she was a woman of faith. She knew, or she hoped, where she was headed. So the question is, do you want to be content? 877-573-7825. I would be content if you called me. She was a mystic and reformer who died at the age of 33. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. Catherine of Siena accomplished something no one thought possible. She convinced Pope Gregory XI to return to Rome after the popes had lived in France for almost the whole of the 14th century. They've been there ever since. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. This Ave Maria program is brought to you by the following. Weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of our biblical faith heroes, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. From sponsored TVN with host David Friedman and Mike Pompeo comes a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the biblical highway. In theaters September 18th and 19th, it's Route 60, the biblical highway. Information at route60.movie. That's route60.movie. This program is brought to you in part by MyLifeAngels.com. MyLifeAngels provides peace of mind by notifying you the moment a loved one enters an emergency room. Right on your smartphone, you'll have instant access to everything needed, including all legal documents, to ensure you are empowered to protect their life-affirming wishes. MyLifeAngels also alerts hospital ER staff with critical medical information and emergency contacts. More information at MyLifeAngels.com. Underwritten in part by this not-for-profit. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. I don't know. I'm thinking about getting another doctor. I was getting a standard exam, you know, and he held a stethoscope up to my chest, and I said, so, Doc, how do I stand? He said, that's what puzzles me. Let's go to Dave from Florida. He has a complaint. It's a narrow one, but he's extrapolating it very broadly. Hi, Dave. Hi, Doc. How you doing? Okay, sir. What's up? Uh, you know, I, I've noticed that it seems like the servers in mass don't have the respect that they should have. And I want to know if it's just me or is it is it around is it around the country? Well, I wouldn't go so far, sir, as to say it's around the country. I mean, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of parishes around the country, and I think a lot of times. What is happening is that the priest sets the tone. Some priests are more relaxed about that. Uh, sometimes, Dave, uh, and I've heard priests talk about this, they can't get altar servers. So they're hoping to get who they can 
that's one issue. But I think what you're witnessing is that, by and large, the whole culture has become more casual in dress across the board. I mean, you see how people attend mass now. The way we dress used to be a sign of respect. You wouldn't go in shorts to meet someone that you you believe is a high-profile individual worthy of respect. I would say this. If you look at, I've, I've looked at uh, pictures of ballparks back in the 40s. The guys in the stands, <laughs> they're almost all in suits at a ball game. All right? I, so, I, yes, that's one I, of the things I noticed. Yeah, and I think, I think that's happening. Now, some argue, some say, well, the way you dress reflects your mindset. If you're going to be so casual in your dress, then you're going to be casual in your mind. You're going to be casual in your spirituality. You're going to be casual in your emotions. I think there's some truth to that. I do. I don't think it's a foolproof relationship. So I guess what I would say to you is if you're distressing yourself over it, don't. Because there's a lot more things to be distressed about. As I get older... I've learned not to be distressed over things I can't control. And how an altar server dresses, with the priest's permission, is not something I can control. So I I am responsible for one person at that Mass, and that's me. Don't let, don't let that intrude upon your connecting with God at Mass. You know, I had a friend tell me one time, she said that during Holy Communion, she had to close her eyes. Because she was afraid she would be judgmental about the way people were going up to communion, the lack of reverence they were showing for the Eucharist, the way they were dressed. Uh, I recall one young girl going up to communion on her phone. So for me, I deliberately kept my eyes open because I want to practice not being distressed about that. I want to practice praying for everybody. That those who know know more, and those who don't know will come to know. There's my there's my lecture. Okay. Alrighty, my friend. I'll talk to you. All right. Well. All, all right. right. Thank you. Alrighty. Well, now we just now did we what happened there, guys? Is that was that my mistake there on that? Okay. She left. All right. Well, I will. I will approach this as though she were there, because I did want to address this. Her adult daughter was raised Catholic and went to college. Yipper! And is now anti-Catholic. Well, exactly. And I don't want to go on my rant on one of the big mistakes you make is to send your kid to a faraway college to get a bachelor's degree where they're going to come out and make thirty six grand, but $50,000 in loans so they can have the college experience. There's a lot more options. There's a lot better options in a lot of ways and a lot less threatening to the faith options. Anyway, she says, I can't talk to her about anything without her shutting down and saying she doesn't want to hear it. I guess it depends on how you talk. All too often, we as parents think, okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to give you, now this is especially so with the older kids, I'm going to give you this perspective, and I'm going to tell you about this perspective, and the kid's shutting down. The kid doesn't want to hear it. The kid rolls their eyes. The kid gets oblivious. Okay, 
search. Search. Ask why she thinks the way she does. How, how did you come to the conclusion that you don't want to be Catholic anymore? What was it? What happened in school? You're on a an information-seeking mission. I want to understand your head. I'm not going to argue with you. I do this a lot when I talk to uh, anti-life people. I don't say pro-choice, anti-life. I just want to know how they see this. I want to know how they think about this. And then I ask further questions for them to, I guess, defend their position. I don't want to have to defend their position. I want them to defend their position. Let let me just see why you think it's not a baby. Or let me just see why you think it is a baby, but it's okay to take the life of that baby. Uh, I want to just see how you say, well, personally, you wouldn't do that, but who are you to tell somebody else? And, and, And on and on and on and on. So, Linda, that's what I would say. You need to know a lot more because your daughter doesn't want to hear anything that she even smells is a lecture. You just want to know a lot more about how she got to be of the mindset she is. Diana from Florida. I think this has related a little bit to uh, my opening, do you want to be content? Hi, Diana. Hi, Diana. Okie dokie. Oh, sorry, sorry. How do you mute? <laughs> well, How are you? Well, right? <laughs> you had me on. You had me on mute. Boy, that hurts. <laughs> oh, sorry, because I, I was outside in the wind, may, may interfere. So that's why. <laughs> so, Doctor Ray, I have a question. Yes, I I have a lot of problems here and there, especially uh, well. My husband and my and my and my mom, uh, they never got along. They're strong will. They want their way. I'm in the middle most of the time. I have two two kids. Diana, what phone and are you yes. on, dear? You're you're coming in and out. Oh, let me let me go inside, baby, because of the wind. Hold on. Can, can you can you hear me better now? You're a little better now. Yes. Okay. Okay. So my um, I was talking to you about my mom and my my husband. How they always in and out with. Um, their relationship is very rocky because they're strong will and my mom you, know, you mean they're stubborn Tommy oh my god I just they're just so difficult they just get me in the middle of things um if my if my husband looks bad or she takes things like like he's attacking her you know like for example I'll give you a, a, an example last week happens to me and he was watching TV. It was a hurricane. It was a hurricane coming here in Florida. That's why he stayed home, and he was watching TV in the living room, which is her place, usually. She doesn't live with me, but she takes care of my son. Um, I was out with my other son at the mall. It was, I think it was the day before the hurricane, and he stayed a little longer in the living room while she was in the room putting the baby to sleep. Well, he stayed there longer, and she called me in the phone and said, is he going to stay there forever? I said, oh, how can I tell my husband to move, you know? Usually he's in the bedroom when she's around. Okay, so what you're saying, Diana, is that they look at things differently and then they pull you into the middle because they say this is what he did to me and he says this is what she did to me, right? How do you avoid getting pulled in? How do I avoid? How do I? 
yeah, it, it comes better, it becomes better, then they forgive each other, I guess, they come back to okay. Maybe next week, two weeks later, a month later, two months later, they separate them again. Then well, that's not too home, bad. To get... If it's two or three months apart <laughs> when they have their friction, that's not too bad. <laughs> stay there. Well, the break okay. is going to cut us off. So stay there. Don't go away. Don't put me on mute like you did before. I could take that personally. Just stay there. After the break, I'll come back, and we'll see if we can get you out of the middle. What's the name of that song, Stuck in the Middle with You? I'm Dr. Ray, 877 57 equal is the number to call. I would definitely like to talk to you about the halfway point of the program. Equal chance of getting on. Living the Beatitudes with Father Bjorn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. I Can't Get No Satisfaction is a popular song, but it could be a summary of our life on earth. In the book of Genesis, we hear that we're made in the image and likeness of God. That means that we can know the truth and we can choose to do good to others. We can love. It comes to fulfillment in the Sermon on the Mount where we hear these Beatitudes. It's the standard of the Christian life. Jesus tells us that if we hear what he says and do what he tells us to do, We will be like wise people who build our house on solid rock. But we make progress towards happiness and blessedness by our actions, and it starts with our interior disposition, what we want to choose. Do you and I hunger and thirst for those things that will lead us to happiness and to God? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. For more about the Beatitudes, visit EWTNRC.com. How do we listen to God? Contrary to popular opinion that God only speaks to the privileged few, the Catholic Catechism tells us he communicates to all of us through our conscience. On our hearts, in our most secret core, God has inscribed the moral law. This law calls man to live and to do what is good and avoid evil. In the aloneness of the sanctuary that is our conscience, our Creator's voice echoes in our depths. When he listens to his conscience, says the Catechism, the prudent man can hear God speaking. Conscience is a judgment of reason whereby the human person recognizes the moral quality of a concrete act about to be performed, is already performing, or has already been performed. John Henry Cardinal Newman defined conscience as the law of the mind whereby God speaks to us behind a veil. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Joining me, Dr. Ray Grandy, program eight program program number eight seven seven fifty seven equal to get onto the program. I'd be delighted to have you if you want to offer a thought about improving lives for people. If you want to ask a question about something in your own life that you want to improve, if you want to help somebody else out. Diana from Florida, we are talking, and before I had to so abruptly and rudely leave because of a break she said she's frustrated because mom and her hubby oh they have periodic moments of butting heads and she labeled it strong-willed and i said you mean stubborn 
which it sounds like they both dig their heels in and want their perspective. Now, Diana, it sounded like before you before you had to leave for a break was that they bicker over little things. Yes. Like the like right. where where the tornado or where the uh, hurricane is going to hit, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. You never know where it's going to blow, and then I'm going to go in. So you don't afraid. want them to do that, of course. And I'm sure you've talked to your husband about it because you probably have more influence over him than you do your mother. And what's his answer that he continues to butt heads with her? I think he's kind of more, more humble than her. And her, um, he, he gets upset, and then uh, let's say the last incident, he said, "I didn't do anything in person." Did you? She did you like, go back out, Diana? Out. Diana, did you go back outside yeah, yeah. again? Yeah, hold on. I knew you did. Let Trying go, to sneak let me, out. Let me get closer to the building. All right. <laughs> okay, hear me better. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I can't. I can't tell you what to do to make them stop bickering. I can tell you what to do for you not to get in the middle of it, if that would help. Mm-hmm. Whenever each complains to you about the other, you can simply say, "Well, that's something you might want to take up with them," or. Well, that's between you and my mom. I can't do anything about that. In other words, don't try to fix it. Because I know that every time you try to fix it, either your mom or your husband is going to argue with you about how they're right. Is that not true? Yes. Yeah. Now, I got a question for you. How long have you been married? Oh, my goodness. I've been married since 2019, but we've been together since 2008, nine. Okay. So we've been together for a while. So let's see. That's about 14 Bye. years, you and your husband or boyfriend at the time, and your mom have butted heads. And for yes. 14 years, you've tried to talk sense into them, have you not? Yeah. And how's it working for you? She wants me to separate. She oh, whoa! Well, I hope I hope uh, I hope you make that judgment on your own, and not because your mother says I don't like the guy. Oh, oh, oh! That's that's, and I would imagine. Well, all things considered, all things considered, your first loyalty, it would seem, would be to your husband, not your mother, and. Right. Part of the reason why he may be butting heads with your mother is because he doesn't think you're on his side. Is that possible? That could be sometimes because mm. because she makes me always remarks about what he's doing wrong, and then I ignore it. But sometimes she's like, "How can you ignore that he's not helping you? How can you ignore that he's not?" That has mom, that's between me and him. Mom, mom, that's between me and him. You gotta get. You gotta quit pulling yourself into this. Otherwise, what you're gonna do is probably make your marriage a lot more unpleasant than it need to be. So, find the find a couple of good lines that you can use every time, Mom. 
I don't I don't need to take that up, Mom. That's between you and him. Mom, I'm married to him. You're going to have to decide to like him. Hubby, uh, I, I don't know exactly why she does that, but uh, you're going to have to learn to ignore her. Just a couple of few lines and, and just repeat them because you're getting pulled in and you're saying, how do I make my mother be different and how do I make my husband be different? And I'll tell you what, that is one of the hardest questions in all of psychology, how to make somebody else be different. Diana, thank you. Well, this situation with Molly, Molly apparently says she's okay because it says right up there, Molly, okay. Oh, oh, okay. That's Oklahoma. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Molly, are you there? Yes. Now, Uh, this is pretty straightforward. You know, I'm going to take a bite out of this question, if you don't mind. (laughs) Is this the only thing that you escalate into your kids with fights about? Well, no, but I mean, it's a, if I, well, okay, with my two-year-old, um, I don't have a, been really fights with him on anything except, I mean, I, I mean, it's a, it's a quick, quick smack if he, if he does, but like for this one, he's just, you know, uh, fights me tooth and nail every night if I try. How old is, how old is that one, the older one? The older, um, range from four, six, eight. And, okay. Um, the older ones are pretty good about brushing teeth, but they don't like the toothpaste. Oh, all right. Well, some, you know, you got a lot of very sensitive mothers listening, and they would say, well, try to find a toothpaste that they like. Get them the bubblegum toothpaste, or get them the wine flavored toothpaste, or get them the chocolate sauce flavored toothpaste. I don't know. You could do that. But if the main problem is I just don't like to take the time to brush my teeth, here's what I suggest you do. You sit him down. Which one is the one who resists you the most? The two-year-old. Oh, well, see, the two. This that's a little tougher. Because with a two-year-old, yeah, at some point you got to make it happen. And I don't quite know exactly how you're going to do that. Um. Do the four, six, and eight-year-old resist also? Yeah, I mean, if I brush their teeth for them because they do a poor job of it, then they're fighting it. Uh, uh. Well, a couple of things. One, you could tell them, I'm not going to fight with you to brush your teeth anymore. I sure hope you do it, and I'll watch. I'll supervise to make sure you do okay, but I'm not going to brush your teeth for you anymore and they'll be all happy about that that's just great all right she's gonna get off our case mm-hmm. and then the next day when they start asking for the normal daily privileges you say oh you know i'd like to do that but you didn't brush your teeth last night or i'd like to do that but but you didn't brush your teeth well at all last night you just stuck the toothbrush in your mouth and for two seconds in other words what you're going to do molly is you're not going to fight with him you're going to say here's what privileges you will earn by brushing your teeth if you don't brush your teeth you're not going to earn them and i got a feeling it'll only take a couple of days like that where they'll realize i think i better brush my teeth because mom seems to remember i didn't
Family Connection with Teresa Tomio. Learn and spread the word about the food, clothing, parenting classes, financial assistance that these resource centers provide moms, and not just for a few weeks after the baby is born, but often for up to four years after birth. Don't assume that just because you haven't heard about pro-life resources or efforts that they don't or aren't available or that the church hasn't been involved. The media, and I know this firsthand from my years of experience, have been working with the abortion industry to suppress information about resources as well as totally misrepresent or blatantly lie about what the pro-life community offers moms and families in need. And last but not least, do some homework and prayerfully give thanks to these pro-life warriors and consider becoming a pro-life warrior yourself. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. The following is a medical moment. Hi, I'm Bobby Schindler, brother of Terry Schiavo. In 2005, my sister experienced a brain injury, leaving her unable to speak for herself and make her own decisions regarding medical care. Since she had not established a healthcare agent by creating a healthcare durable power of attorney, the courts decided to leave the medical decisions to Michael, Terry's husband. Because of this, Michael was able to remove Terry's food and water, dehydrating and starving her to death by court order. There are many reasons why someone may need a feeding tube, such as an illness or injury, that leaves a patient with difficulty swallowing. Usually, feeding tubes are short-term solutions until the patient can swallow on their own. St. Pope John Paul II clarified that food and water by tube is basic care owed to patients and not a medical act. We never know when you or a loved one may be faced with an injury. I urge you to have a conversation with your family and to identify a healthcare agent to make sure your life wishes are known and to take the step of finalizing a healthcare power of attorney. It could very well save your lives. This medical moment brought to you by MyLifeAngels.com. Thanks for joining me, Dr. Ray Garendi. Program Doctor is in Monday through Friday, 1 o'clock Eastern Time, co-production of Ave Maria Radio Communications and the EWTN, Global Catholic Radio Network. Good Lord permitting, we will be heading toward Billings, Montana, about a week and a half, 25th, 26th of September, do some taping of the TV show. So if you're listening and you're in Billings, we would love to have you in the audience. Just go to BillingsCatholicRadio.com, sign up. For one, two, three, four shows in the audience on EWTN, so you can see your smiling face on EWTN. And I've had people tell me that others have come up to them and said, I saw you on TV. I saw you on EWTN on that Roy Ganuti show or whatever that dude's name was, and you you were sleeping. We do have a person that we've hired to uh, wake anybody up in the audience who does sleep. Which, by the way, that did happen. My daughter, when she was probably about 15, was in one of the early shows, one of the very early seasons, and the camera was panning, and yes, sir, there she was, blissfully resting in the Lord during my program. Had a situation, I don't really know if I handled this wife, uh, oh, wife, handled this well, you ever notice how you do that? If you're speaking and you're looking at something that is written, what can happen is you will take what is written and enter it into your conversation. For example, uh, I was talking to you about 
doing some shopping, and the word wife is in this particular thing. So I said, don't know if I handled this wife. My wife and I were shopping, and she noticed I wasn't around. So she called me, called me on the cell. She said, where are you? We still got a lot of shopping to do. I said, well, honey, do you remember the jewelers that we went into back when we were dating and you absolutely loved that diamond necklace? And I said, I can't afford that, but one day I'm going to be able to afford it and I'm going to get it for you. And I could hear her. I could hear her choking up. She goes, yeah, yeah, I I do remember. I do remember that shop. I said, well, I'm in the gun shop right next door to that. So I don't know if I handle that sensitively or not. (laughs) Molly's question. By the way, let me give you out the number here because if you'd like to get on, we can still get to you. 877-573-7825-877-57 equal is the number to call. Get on to the program. And as I said, sometimes we get a lot of calls sometimes late in the program, and that's okay because we can still bounce around through the various lines and talk to the folks who call in. Much of a parental frustration is recurrent. In other words, it's like like Molly's question. She said, this is a nightly ritual, the battle over brushing your teeth. And what a parent is tempted to do is to cajole, to reason with, to threaten maybe, to, I guess, get into a negotiating and sometimes very ugly negotiating battle. The kids of course, don't want to do what we want them to do or don't want to stop doing what we want them to stop doing, so they're going to negotiate. They have more energy for negotiation than we do. And we get frustrated. We get very frustrated. Why can't you just cooperate? Why do you have to do this? And there's a simple answer to that because I'm a kid and because I want to do what I want to do. And you're trying to get me to do something I don't want to do. And I don't realize the value of it because I'm a kid. If a parent says, here's what I want you to do, and then this activity is key to you getting this. It's very simple. For example, now now Molly was wanting the kids to brush their teeth, and she didn't want to let a night go by without them brushing their teeth, understandably. However, if she would have said, hey, okay, you don't have to brush your teeth. No problem. Okay. Uh, Yay, everybody's got a free night brushing their teeth. Then the next day is when she teaches the lesson, which is, well, you didn't brush your teeth last night, so you certainly can't go outside. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, the TV's not gone on with that uh, favorite show you wanted to watch because you didn't brush your teeth last night. That's all. It's very simple. You're making the connection for them. The connection is, I asked you to do A. I don't want to fight with you to do A. So if you don't do A, 
Here's B, C, D, E, F, and G. That's all. I'm not yelling at you. I'm not screaming at you. I'm just kind of telling you. A parent has enormous leverage, enormous control. You do. Many respects, you have more control than a warden has in a prison. You do. Not that your home's a prison, but you can control a lot of things. Many things. You can control what kinds of food you put on the table. You can control all electrical outlets. You can control utilities. You can control travel. You can control money supply. You control it all. And you don't want to have to use it as leverage, but you don't want to fight either. So it's much kinder to say, if you don't cooperate with this then this doesn't happen. And a mom said to me one time, oh, oh, these trips, these trips to me taking my daughter to soccer practice, it is, it is some of the most unpleasant 14 minutes of our day. Actually, of my existence. I'm, she's just surly, disrespectful, I can't wait until she gets out of the car. So at least when I drive home, I can drive home in peace. So I'll tell you, it is just frustrating to take her to soccer practice when she talks like that. And I said, you take her to soccer practice. Well, yes, uh, she has practice on uh, Mondays, uh, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. You take her to soccer practice. Well, she's not old enough to drive. So, yes, I, I take her to soccer practice. You take her to soccer practice and endure that kind of surly disrespect. Well, yeah, because I'm the only one that really can do it because the other mother lives a uh, different direction and she'd have to come out. And finally... After I said for the fifth or sixth time to mom, you take her to soccer practice when she's disrespectful. Mom heard what I was saying. She could have easily told her daughter, hey, our drives are going to be more pleasant or, or, at the, or at the very least not unpleasant or the next soccer practice I don't take you. Now, you have to assume she wants to go to soccer practice. Or you also have to assume that you might want to tell her coach, here's why she's not there, because she was disrespectful, and I'm not going to take her to soccer practice when she's disrespectful. It doesn't take too many of those to get a more pleasant ride. And I had to go over with mom, why was it that she had accepted this for, oh, dozens of trips to soccer practice? Why? There were many reasons for that. This is not therapy. We don't have time to get into it. But the one thing mom could have done is said, every trip to soccer practice is going to be contingent. Contingent upon you being a respectful, pleasant young lady in the vehicle. That's not mean. That's not nasty. 
Now, interestingly enough, some parents would think that's nasty. They do. They would think that's mean. They would think that's terrible. They would think that's lording authority over a child. Well, here's my question. Which is meaner to have a 14-minute trip that is totally unpleasant, that wears on your patient, and makes you feel like, I can't wait until she gets out of the car to get her out of my sight? Now, which is meaner? It's always amazed me. All righty, this is Dr. Ray taking my final break. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. If we think like children, can we get a better workout? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. For many of us, getting a workout means going for a run, lifting weights, or doing some push-ups. But are we having fun doing any of those things? Many experts suggest that we need to incorporate play and fun into our workouts, just like when we were kids. We got plenty of exercise, climbing trees, playing ball, or chasing a friend. Now some personal trainers are incorporating childlike routines in their planned workouts to keep things fresh and filled with fun. The experts suggest that we watch kids at play and mirror their exercise. Kids don't usually run for miles and miles. They run, stop, jump, and play. Then they do it again. They mix things up. They laugh, they still sweat, and they still get out of breath. They get a good workout. We can do the same. For more on playful workouts, head over to our Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Thanks for joining me, Dr. Ray Garendi. Here, the program doctor is in. I, I think we've lost a lot of fun in the differences between men and women. We are so hypersensitive in our culture now that we're not allowed to talk about any differences between men and women. But in the old days, you could, and it bespoke of a comfort level with the recognition, with the reality. That men and women are different. For example, if Laura, Suzanne, Debbie, and Rose go out for lunch, they will call each other Laura, Suzanne, Debbie, and Rose. If Mike, Charlie, Bob, and John go out, they will call each other Fat Boy, Godzilla, Peanut Head, and Shorty. It's true. Guys are way into nicknames more than women. 
A man will generally pay $2 for a $1 item that he wants. A woman will pay $1 for a $2 item that she doesn't want. Can't pass up that bargain. In the average man's bathroom, there are six items. Toothbrush, shaving cream, razor, bar soap, towel. In the average woman's bathroom, there are 337 items, and a man would not be able to identify most of them. Just a few differences. Got any other differences here? <laughs> Dressing up. A woman will dress up, look nice, to go shopping, to water the plants, to answer the phone, to get the mail. A man will dress up for weddings and funerals. A woman knows all about her children. She knows about dental appointments, their romances, their best friends, their favorite foods, their fears, their hopes, their dreams. A man may be vaguely aware that there are some short people living in the house. <laughs> now, see... There are people who would hear something like that and say, now, come on, Ray. That's not the way you make men be. Good fathers are important. Yes, I understand that. But we got to be able to laugh at some of this stuff. We've become such an uptight society. Have you noticed that? In a lot of ways, we're more puritanical than the stereotypical puritanical Christian. We don't laugh at stuff because, ooh, oh, it just, you know, what well, to say that, that a guy's just vaguely aware of short people living in the house is kind of like sounding like fatherhood's not important and men need to take a, a more of a role. And Yeah, I understand all that. But it still has a bit of truth in it that the women as a group, now this is a generality, are more in tuned to the child rearing stuff. We guys have to work harder at it. Doesn't come quite as natural as it does to women, and that's a source of humor. It can be funny. That's why the comedians who talk about marriage, the comedians who talk about raising kids, the funniest ones, there is a grain of truth to what they're saying. Humor is funny. Because it's real. It may be an exaggeration. But it touches upon something that everybody is familiar with. Humor wouldn't be funny if it was diametrically opposed to everything that's real. So, just a little primer. I gotta go. I do appreciate the company. I do appreciate the chance to do this program with you. It is a great, great privilege and blessing. And remember the question we asked at the very top? Well, we didn't ask it. I did. Are you content? And what are you doing about it? Have you decided to be content? You walk with God closer you walk to him, the more content you will be. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook.
The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.